like we got a good crowd today. Look at the person next to you and say, you look like you're part of a good crowd. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Now, this whole month of June, we've been talking about perspective, remember? We've been talking about it all depends on how you look at it. It makes all the difference in the world. We've done four sermons. This is the fourth. This is the final sermon in the series. You can go back online and watch any of the messages that we've done in the past. You learned something new last week you didn't know about. The college students were really fired up about it. They were taking notes. What did you learn about last week? One word. What was it? Flamingo. Flamingo. That's right. Here's what you do. You wear a flamingo shirt and you go to a party and you mingle. And so we went last Saturday. We went to one and we did that. And then next month we're going to another one. Our granddaughter Collins is having her three-year-old birthday. It's a flamingo. So there. We had little flamingo sunglasses on. Just imagine me with little flamingo sunglasses on and a flamingo shirt. No, don't do that. You hadn't eaten yet. Just forget that. Never mind. Anyway, you know, we moved recently. Y'all know that. We moved to a different house, right? And so we noticed that the yard needed a little bit of work. And so we had the guys come, and they put out uh, the stuff to kill the mole crickets. We got mole crickets. Everybody say, ooh, yuck. Yeah. It's not good. So anyway, we're trying to get that grass. Now, that St. Augustine, what will happen is those runners will go out there, and and it'll just get healthier and healthier, and it'll fill in, and all the grass will be full. Now, here's the deal. You and I, when we're dealing with anything, it's our perspective. So we can look at the yard, and we can, if we choose to, we can focus on the weeds, right? And we can say, man, those weeds look bad. I need to take care of those weeds. Why don't we get rid of those weeds? I need to pull those weeds. Let's spray those weeds and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. Or I can say, well, instead of doing that, why don't we focus on the grass? <laughs> why don't we make the grass healthy where it'll grow and it'll just fill in and take place? And then the weeds will get choked out, right? You know this? Hey, look, I know what I'm talking about. I had a whole semester in horticulture when I was in college. <laughs> One of my many majors while I was in college 100 years ago. So anyway, that's what we're doing. We're focusing on growing the grass. Now, here's here's the parallel. This is the payoff for this, and you need to write this down. The same thing applies to worry. Worry is like the weeds. God's peace is the grass. So instead of focusing on the weeds and the worry, we focus on God's peace and the grass. And we just see the healthy, positive perspective, right? Because you want to see the positive perspective to things, correct? Both of you want to see the positive perspective to things. So, So a different perspective on worry. Now, how many of you worry often? Raise your hands. Go ahead, raise them up, raise them high. Okay, i got to ask you, how many of you did not raise your hands because you were worried what somebody would think about you <laughs> when you raised your hands? Because, see, some of us worry so much, right? So whatever you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Whatever you fear the most reveals what you value the most, okay? Now, that's a true thing there. So if you're concerned about your children's safety, then that's going to be a fear, isn't it? Because you value your children. Maybe you're worried about not getting married one day because you value relationships and marriage. Maybe you fear something and it shows the the, reveals the trust that is not there for God. In other words, whatever you fear the most, that's where you trust God the least. Is that true? 
Have you thought about it in those terms? What you fear the most is what you worry about the most, and it's a spiritual issue because you're not trusting God. In fact, some people define worry as sin, distrusting the promises and the power of God. So let's be honest. All of us worry at one time or another, don't we? Look at the person next to you and say, sometimes I worry. Go ahead and confess. It'll be good. You're in church, okay? <clears throat> we don't have time for you to tell them what you worry about, okay? <laughs> Work with me here. Stay with me. We got to get out because you want to go eat brunch, right? Okay, so we worry about the economy. I'll tell you what you worry about. You don't tell me. We worry about the economy. We worry about finances. We worry about stability. We worry about keeping our job. We worry about other people. We worry about health and relationships. We worry about our children and so forth. I thought that I'd gotten to a place where I didn't worry as much anymore. And then... Both of my teenage daughters started driving, and that just wiped that right out there. Well, where are they? Don't they have a watch? Don't they know how? To? We bought them that fancy Apple watch. Can't they look at it and come home? What's the deal here, right? Because they're just going to town, and I don't even know what they're doing, right? Well, in the book of Philippians here, we see a key thought. Worry is a matter of perspective. Worry is a matter of perspective. Now, let me give you a little perspective on that thought, okay? You're familiar with fog, right? We don't have a lot of fog here, but occasionally, because of the water, we'll get fog here. My wife grew up on a mountain in Tennessee. A lot of times, it gets foggy up there on the mountain. Now, here's something that fascinated me. I didn't know this. Think about how soupy it is when you're really in the fog and how it's just overwhelming and you can't see. You know, it's so foggy, what? The birds are walking, right? So, you know, it's foggy then, right? Okay, according to our nation's Bureau of Standards, a dense fog covering seven city blocks going up 100 feet in the air. Think about this, seven city blocks, 100 feet in the air, contains less than one glass of water. If you could take all that fog and turn it into water, it wouldn't even fill up one glass. Now, when you look at it, it looks overwhelming, doesn't it? But the reality is that it's not that big a deal. That's the way worry looks to you and me. It just looks overwhelming. It just looks like everything is all about worry. And, you know, those worries can block our vision to God's promises in his life. In fact, they have little substance to them. Isn't that amazing? If you were in a Baptist church, somebody would have said amen to that. I just, I just thought that was really good. I, th I thought that you would be fascinated by that. And you're going, eh, it's okay. All right. Well, just be that way then. Okay, I'm moving on. Well, the Apostle Paul, if anybody had anything to worry about, the Apostle Paul had something to worry about. Now, we've talked about this, right? He's in prison. He wants to go to Rome because he wants to preach the gospel. He wants to share the gospel with everybody, have an influence, lead people to Christ, right? But God has a different plan. Paul goes to prison in Rome, and there he writes most of the New Testament. That's why we're still talking about him today. If he had preached, maybe some people would have gotten saved. But because he wrote so many books in the New Testament, we're still reading them today. We're still talking about him today. The influence that he has is still out there today. God used that in a positive way to do something really powerful. Now, you remember we said he was chained 24-7. 
And they would bring in a new guard, and they would switch out the guards, and Paul's just right there. And, you know, his attitude is, hey, I'm not in prison. You're not chaining me up. I'm chaining you up because i got a captive audience. You talk about a captive audience. Can you imagine me chaining you to me and saying, sit down, I'm going to preach to you. I know it's scary. I know, I know. I know what you're thinking. But that's what he did. And he just witnessed all the time. He said, you know, I'm not in prison. And he had that elite guard, that elite Roman guard. And so one come in, he'd say, okay, we got him saved. Next, bring another one. Sit down here, boy. I'm going to talk to you, okay? And that's what he was doing the whole time. What a blessing that was. And, and he doesn't know. He's just waiting to see if he's going to be executed. He doesn't know if he's going to live from one day to the next. And what does he say? Rejoice. He, he's so excited. He's lifting other people up. You know, when he's in a place where other people might want to encourage him, he's at a place where he wants to bless them. Nothing can separate you, he says, from the love of God. Not trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, nothing. Because you look at it from God's perspective, you know he's right there. Paul had seen the faithfulness of God when he was shipwrecked. He had seen the faithfulness of God when he was bitten by a poisonous snake. He was persecuted. He was whipped. He was left for dead. He had seen the faithfulness of God when he was stoned. Now, in the, in the Bible, stoned is different, okay? So make sure. You know, it's when they throw rocks at you, okay? Just wanted to, I didn't want to. I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm not saying. But I'm just, I just want to make sure you understand. Look at the person next to you and say, what's he talking about? Okay, I don't know. When he was imprisoned, he'd seen the faithfulness of God. And so he didn't have to worry about it. Now, in prison, he writes these words, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So when you see what Paul is doing, he doesn't have to worry. Christians often soften the word. You ever take the word worry and you say, I'm concerned about that, right? Because we're not supposed to worry, right? So you say, I'm concerned about that. Practice that. Look at the person next to you. Try it out. See how it goes. I'm concerned about that. And they looked at you and pointed their finger and said, no, you're not. You're worried. I know what you're saying. I, I can see it right there. And so he's going to teach us two things today. We don't have to worry about what will happen. This is number one, when we know who's in charge. We don't have to worry about what will happen when we know who is in charge. Now, John Guest is a guy who lived in London, England for many years. And every month when he would go in to pay his rent to his landlady there, he would see this little sign on her wall behind her. And it always kind of made him chuckle. And the, and the sign said this, Why pray when you can worry? And it just made him think, why worry when you can pray? I mean, it was just a cute way to, of a reminder to say that, right? In other words, I don't have to worry about how this happens. I just need to be, be concerned about who is in charge. You know, it's God. God's in charge. So I leave the how up to him. Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. That's, that's hard to do. It's hard to do that. Now, some of you are just wound up in a ball of worry today. Anybody want to confess this morning? We've got time. Just raise your hand and say, I'm really worried today. 
that you won't finish preaching on time and I won't get to go eat. That's what I'm worried about right now, right? But, but sometimes that happens. And he says, don't worry about anything, but do what? Pray about everything. That's right. So if it's your finances, just trust the Lord and tithe, right? If you're worried about relationships, you just trust God with that. If you're worried about your job, you're worried about your health, whatever it might be, just give it to God and trust Him. Now, now some of you might want to make a God box. Do you have a God box? You make a God box, and then you just put, you write down your worries, and you put your worries in your God box, and you say, would you handle this for me, and I'm going to do something else, okay? And then you don't have to worry. Have you ever thought about that? Well, think about it for a minute. It would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Because you don't have to do that anymore. You can just trust God. If I can do something about it, I do something about it. But if I can't do anything about it, I'm going to trust it to God. So we're going to take a little pop quiz. I don't want you to just, just kind of nod off here. Some of you are yawning right now. I can see you. So I, what I want you to do is get ready. You ready for the pop quiz? Now, you just write down on your little outline there. You write down yes or no. That's all you got to do. Write down yes or no, okay? And don't look at the person next to you. Don't, don't be cheating, okay? Because I can see, all right? Here it is. Can you heal a sick loved one? Can you do that? Yes or no? Write that down. Okay, the answer is no, you can't. God can, but you can't, right? You can pray for somebody, and you can pray that they'll be healed, but only God can do that. So what do you do? You give it to the Lord, right? Can you fix a struggling marriage? Well, you can go to counseling, and, and you can work together on stuff, but you've got to turn to God for some healing there because only He can do what you can't do, so you can trust the Lord there. Can you protect your kids from all the dangers that are in the world? No, you can't. When they're little, it's easier, right? When they get older, it's much harder, but, but you can't always protect them. You're not always going to be there. But God is the one who provides. God is the one who is the protector. You turn it over to Him. Can you ensure that you're never going to get laid off? You're never going to lose your job? No, you can't, can you? But you know, God always has an answer, doesn't he? You think, well, how's that going to happen? But he provides, doesn't he? He's the provider. And so you give it to him. Can you control your future? I used to think I could. I used to think that I could control my future. And I just told God one time who I was going to marry and how he needed to just work it all out and make it happen, right? And it didn't work out that way at all, you know, because if you and God have a disagreement, guess who wins? He does. Yeah, that's why he's God, right? <laughs> Just works out better if you go ahead and put that in there and learn that. So you can't control your future. How many people have scheduled the day you're going to die? See, you can't control your future. You don't know, right? But God can change things by his power. So I'm not going to worry about anything, but I'm going to trust him. And it says there's a peace that goes beyond our human understanding. God can give us, His Spirit can give us a peace that passes all understanding, right? It's a peace in the midst of conflict. It's a peace that the world doesn't have. It doesn't make sense, but it's something that only God can offer, so we don't have to really worry. It's a matter of perspective. And Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He said, don't think about the bad things. Don't think about the weeds. Think about the grass. Think about the positive things, right? And then it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So you don't worry. You remember that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy? I'm not going to sing it. 
So that's a good thing right there, just that alone, right? But, but it's about, you know, it's just a cute little song. And you, you listen to it and you go, I feel better already, you know. So maybe today you'll Google it and listen to it. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll just see, okay? And you can report back. Now, there's a lot of people who worry today about certain things like their status. Is anyone familiar with social media in the room? Do you uh, look at that? Do you, do you measure how many likes you get on things? Do you, do you wish that something would go viral and it doesn't? Do you compare what other people get to you? Are you depressed about this issue today? Is it something that worries you? People get concerned about their status. Or maybe, maybe you think you've got a pretty nice house. And you come home, it's good to be home. I'm so grateful to be home. I love my home. And then you go to the parade of homes. And you go tour a brand new house. And then you drive back to your little pathetic shack and make your way in the door and think, what happened? I've got a sorry house. And all of a sudden, it looks bad. A lot of people get caught up in the way they look, in the way they feel, in their status in life. You know, when you're making a picture of yourself and your friends all the time, you're going to be looking at yourself quite a bit, right? And so, you know, maybe you'd like to have a little nip and tuck every now and then because you don't want it. It's not quite the way you want it to be. So maybe you wish you had a different house or a different job or a better marriage. You know, people say, I wish I were married. Then they get married and they say, I wish I were married to somebody else. Sometimes that happens, right? Or they say, I wish I had kids. And then they have kids. And they say, I wish I had different kids. And then they say, I wish they'd grow up, right? I mean, it happens all the time. I wish I wasn't so busy. You know, and it's incredibly dis dissatisfying when you start focusing on that. Now, the second thing that we need to see is we don't have to worry about what we have when we know who truly satisfies. That's number two. We don't have to worry about what we have when we know who truly satisfies. In other words, we're not going to be satisfied with things. We're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to be able to satisfy ourselves because we're always looking for more things. What happens when you get the house that you like and you fix it all up and then 10 years go by and what do you do? You redecorate because you got bored with what you had. Now you got to put something else, Right? I know what I'm talking about. I, I'm an old man. I've lived a long time. I've watched this stuff happen. And so Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the people at Philippi. That was a church he started. And the Philippian people there, they loved Paul and he loved them. And so they wanted to provide for him. Most of the time he made his own living. He took care of himself. This was a time when he was in need and, and there was a guy named Arapidus uh, Raphiditis that took him money. He risked his life to get this money to Paul to help him and to bless him. And Paul was so moved by that. Uh, they were hurt for Paul. The people there, they were concerned. They were praying for him. They loved him and they wanted to bless him. And he says, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it, he's talking about. He said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He had learned, he really had learned to do that because he had been through so much. And he continues, he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And then he goes on down there and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it really doesn't matter what we have or what we don't have. What is important is our relationship to God because we trust him in that. I can rejoice not in my circumstances, but I can rejoice in the Lord. We can see things from a different perspective. Now, the psalmist gives us some good medicine here. <clears throat> he says in Psalm 37, 
Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He goes on and says, in the Lord I take refuge. He said, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. And in Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So you don't have to worry about where do I stand with God? Have I been too bad for him? Can he forgive me? Because he can forgive you. Believe in the Lord, it says in Acts, and you will be saved. And that's what you have to do to trust him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just share this with you to wrap it up. There's a guy named J. Arthur Rank, and he decided to do something really cool. He decided to get a worry box. And here's what he said. I'm only going to worry one day a week. And he picked Wednesdays. Wednesday is worry day. And so he said, on Wednesdays, I'll worry. So if it's any day but Wednesday, he would write down what he was worried about, and then he would put it in the box. And then when Wednesday rolled around, he would open the box up and see what he was worried about. You know what he discovered? Most of the things that he had worried about had taken care of themselves by the time Wednesday got there. Now, that's some pretty good medicine. If I were you, I'd write that down and maybe take it up and do that. <laughs> because it might be a blessing to you to give that a shot, right? Just take one day, you know, because we're going to worry. We're struggling not to. We're concerned about something, right? So what we want to do is say, okay, well, let me just see if I can limit that to one day a week. And maybe God can help me just to get rid of that day too, right? Unless I have teenage daughters driving, either one, okay? Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful for the Apostle Paul and his witness, the way he lived, what he did, what he taught. And we pray, Lord, that we might put that into practice ourselves. We pray in your son's name.